Hello, I'm Zev Newworth, and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, and bold solutions on how to advance the creation of a customer-oriented, value-based, and humanistic system of health. The views I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization. Folks, as many of you know, on Friday, March 27th, 2020, I launched a limited podcast series addressing how the COVID-19 pandemic is reframing healthcare in the U.S. In this limited series, I am reaching out to interview future-facing, courageous healthcare leaders, entrepreneurs, and practitioners, asking two questions. How is the COVID-19 pandemic immediately changing the way that you're delivering healthcare, and how will COVID-19 reframe American healthcare for years to come? Our guest this week is Kevon Mabut, and our focus will be on healthcare's transition to a consumer-oriented, consumer-centric era. Kevin Mabut is the Senior Vice President and Chief Consumer Officer at Intermountain Health. He was previously at the Walt Disney Company, where he served as the global head of consumer insight. Folks, from my perspective, Kevon is one of the leading experts in the country in understanding the shift to healthcare consumerism. He brings decades of world-class product and service-leading consumer experience now to our industry. I've had the amazing good fortune of interviewing Kevon a number of times and speaking with him. And if you haven't had a chance to hear those interviews, I would uh, refer you to episodes number 45 and number 52 of Creating a New Healthcare. I found this interview to be exceptionally instructive, and I really plan to follow up with Kevon on a number of points. So without further ado, this is the interview we recorded just a few days ago with Kevon Mabut, the Chief Consumer Officer at Intermountain Health. So Kevon, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. I know how super busy you are. And so welcome back to Creating New Healthcare. Of course, this is a special series on how COVID is reframing healthcare in America. How are you doing? Thanks, Ev. It's great to be back. And, you know, it's an honor to take part in this series during such an important time. I'm doing great. The family's doing great. And, you know, we're living through strange times at work as well as at home. And I think the system, Intermountain Healthcare, is is doing really as well as anybody can in, in this situation. And so happens that the state of Utah, relative to other states, is doing quite well, too, although some of our surge is probably still ahead of us. Where are you in the surge? And are you already seeing COVID positivity and hospitalizations and ICUs? Where where are you with that? Yeah, so we've had um, hospitalizations for you know some weeks now. And, and, and you know, of course, we've moved from the point in time where a hospitalization was sort of, you know, statewide news to the point where the numbers have increased so much that it, it's less the case. We, we've had a relatively small number of deaths, quite a number of people under investigation, if you will, and, um, you know, qu- quite a lot of positive testing. But again, relative to other states, it's still quite low. And we're working with many in the state and beyond uh, big tech, as well as other partners, really to help model how we think for our sort of service area, the um, pandemic will, will kind of trend. And so really big focus for us on staying at home, social distancing and the like. And, and what we're seeing in that model is, you know, day by day, the, the curve is flattening, the 
surge peak is is being pushed further out in time and so we we probably have not hit our peak yet that's for sure but again by day the situation is changing i just want to pick up on that point before we go on when you sit under investigation just want to clarify for everyone i, I suspect most people are aware of this already but for those who are listening in the future to this podcast uh, that is actually the term that we're using across the country i don't know if it's a cdc term or not but it's pui patients under investigation so that's what kevin is speaking to so this is what we've seen across the country is this surge curve decrease uh, be prolonged so it's not coming as soon as we thought it was and it's not going to be as high, the numbers, which is fantastic, because the purpose there was to make sure that we didn't overwhelm the healthcare system. We were concerned that we were going to see way many more people needing hospitalizations than we had hospital beds, way many more people needing ventilators than we had ventilators for. And you know that's what, that was a major concern across the country. We're unfortunately seeing that play out in certain places like New York City. And where they're they're you know bringing in ventilators from out of state, they're bringing in professionals, providers from out of state. That's what we don't want to see elsewhere across the country. And so we're trying to learn those lessons. But the kind of counter effect, if you will, is that we're seeing the prolongation. So it's being pushed out and prolonged. So that we might be in this uh, state of social distancing, or at least intermittent social distancing for months, if not years to come. I just read a, a paper out of uh, epidemiologists from the Harvard School of Public Health, where they were saying they were predicting their projections are that literally this social distancing could go on for the next two years. Absolutely, Zev, and thank you for the clarification. I definitely didn't mean to imply that people are under investigation by the police. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, you know, of course, there's a sort of an interesting kind of cycle in that the more we really emphasize the right behaviors, i.e. keeping your physical distance, remain and, and retain socially connected and, and keep those connections going, stay at home, and, of course, so much closure in terms of, you know, stores and, and, and leisure activities and the like, the more we see the flattening of the curve. And, and it does create an interesting tension also for us as a healthcare system. We happen to be the largest employer in the state, not only statewide, but, but nationally. We're all also focusing on the economy. And, and so the more we are prolonging or lengthening the sort of curve, and to some extent, how people think about the pandemic, the longer that may put off the day when we feel we can safely go back to normal, quote. And so that's a tension for us as a steward of people's health in this state, but also as uh, the largest employer. And, um, you know, I think the other thing it does is create a perception that perhaps while we see ourselves as being successful, the more we're able to help flatten that curve. For the outside world, that can look like we were preparing prematurely that we overstated the issue that we're in some ways crying wolf so, so ironically the more successful we are the, the less uh, i think the general public feels there was that big of an issue in terms mm -hmm. of the surge in the first place and then from a communications point of view that's very hard for us to navigate and there's a lot of nuance on there and people are looking for certainty and clarity and this is a very dynamic situation well, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised you went into this because this is your background. You are clearly a expert, I, I think one of the leading experts in this domain of consumer sentiment and marketing. And thank you for just kind of beginning to unpack some of these complexities uh, around what 
the public is feeling, what healthcare consumers are feeling and thinking. You know, if this was a surge and then it was over, that would be a certain dynamic and we would deal with the post-surge issues. But it seems like this is going to be going on, lasting for months, if not years. I want to ask you specifically, in terms of how this reframes healthcare, specifically from a a consumer perspective, uh, what consumers are thinking, what their expectations are, what their needs are, how has that already changed in healthcare? And how do you think that that change is going to be moving forward? You know, there's that old adage about never wasting a crisis. And I think we've, of course, seen a lot of things change. I think the three key questions are, what if those changes will remain different indefinitely? Which changes will kind of reverse and revert back to sort of the regular situation, I guess, we were in? And then I guess the question for us then is, how can we influence those two things? And so, it's like a, a wave coming in and leaving some items on the shore and then others get carried back out to the sea. And of course, we look at it in a healthcare sort of lens, but, but the reality is from a consumer point of view, whatever happens and changes and stays changed in healthcare will largely be a function of what happens in society at large. They're the same consumers, of course, and we, we tend to think of ourselves in healthcare as separate, but but the reality is we do not operate in a bubble Sometimes we think we do, but we don't. And so those same consumers and their expectations, their needs, behaviors are going to be modified in other walks of life. And and I think what we see in healthcare will will partially be a function of that. But I I think things like the that very dramatic shift we've certainly seen in terms of movement to digital. And we see that, of course, in our marketing work. We see it, of course, in how we direct people to the appropriate care setting, as well as, of course, provide care itself and and i think this is already something we've we've been seeing and trying to move forward on and transform our operations and and i think this is one where it doesn't matter what ceos cios or cxos have really said and tried to do including people like myself the consumer has spoken they voted with their fingers if you will and they are now engaging digitally like never before thankfully healthcare is beginning to catch up with some of those other industries we've been working for some time and piloting a digital front door which really can help people to find and manage for and pay for care in a more amazon-like way um, and so it's almost like the coming of age of, of tools like that that too presents a dilemma for us you know it, we, we we need to catch that wave and really um, be where the consumer is which in this case is is oftentimes digital but that tool that platform which we want to scale this year to 200 plus clinics is something that really supports regular care health and wellness not just of course covid and so the dilemma is you know just really seizing that moment and going with that behavior but but not appearing tone deaf or even opportunistic in putting that out there in a bigger way other than to serve covid needs right now so that's kind of where we're at because that's where the consumer's at I think you made a really important point, which is that it's the same consumer. So the way consumers are reacting to other industries, whether they be, you know, stores or or retail, shopping centers, malls, et cetera, and how they're moving to other ways to purchase and to receive goods and services. And we're seeing that, you know, with, you know, in-home movies, uh, in-home deliveries, things like that, you know, those sorts of things. I think we have in the past in healthcare, in fact, 
been protected or been different, at least to your point, we've thought that we have been because the consumer, it's really been a supply driven industry. We've told patients essentially what to do, where to go for healthcare, even the, the utilization has been largely driven by the industry itself. And it seems to me overnight, we've moved from a industry-driven or supply-driven market to a demand-driven market, much the same as you were pointing out, like every other industry. And I'm not sure that we've appreciated that. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's very true. It's To me, coming from the, the background I have and with the perspective I bring, hopefully, to, to Intermountain and to healthcare, this is a very good thing. This is what I think healthcare needed. I mean, clearly, we didn't need this crisis at all. But the sort of silver lining, if there is any silver lining in something like this, is that long-term advancement, I think, of um, you know the consumer as a voice, as a determinant in, in their health. And so I think you're right. Um, something that was typically fairly supply-driven has now become more demand-driven. And we'll see how that dynamic you know, settles. I, I think it's going to settle in a quite different place. I mean, you know, it's also important, I think, to remind ourselves what has not changed in all of this. And it has helped reinforce some of those fundamentals of healthcare around safety, whether digital or non-digital. It, it's reinforced that trusted sense of truth in, in your provider, your, your healthcare system. And also in, a, in an era of shifting to value, quote, that, um, hospitals have an incredible role still to play. So I think there's some things to remind ourselves on, on that front too. But in terms of the transformation, I think we can see that accelerate. Um, the, the key will be, I think, for players coming new to the market, we're seeing a lot of people coming in with telehealth and other kinds of devices and tools, is that fundamentally people, like in those other parts of their life, dealing with you know, retail and banking and travel and leisure, do not want a rash of different apps and point solutions. They still want that kind of holistic end-to-end -end experience. So I think it's going to be important for healthcare systems to really focus on, you know, a platform like a digital front door that can really help in all aspects and not just crisis type aspects of healthcare. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see of all the new players and investment coming into the industry around telehealth in particular, what sustains and again, just like in other walks of life, it'll be the consumer, not, not us, that will, will, will determine that. I have heard some concerns being raised now that the virtual and digital has been unleashed. I've heard from other organizations across the country that they went from less than 10% virtual visits to now 90 or, or more percent virtual visits. And what have you seen at Intermountain? We have seen that, partly because that's the way in which people want to engage. It keeps keeps them safe it keeps them at home especially the worried well and it's also been how we've wanted to engage it's helped us preserve ppe and resources in facilities and not have if you will unnecessary visits i, I think that will rebalance somewhat back to to normal and part of what's driven that of course is many of those non-covid regular visits are just simply not happening right now and that's also a challenge for us to make sure that people are not staying home when they have serious symptoms of diseases and illnesses that have nothing to do with COVID. I think there's a perception that um, hospitals and the like are not really open, if you will, for that kind of care, as well as a concern in being safe among COVID patients in a hospital. Super, super important point. I want to come back to that issue of how you at Intermountain are reaching out to 
patients with chronic diseases who normally would have been seen, but per perhaps there's now tremendous underutilization, which is not good in this case. As people have gotten a taste of, of the virtual and digital, there is the potential, I've heard some concerns being raised that you're going to get this influx of whether it's payers partnering with health and telehealth companies, which they already have begun even before COVID, but now that accelerating. There's a concern that systems like Intermountain, large integrated delivery networks and, and hospital systems could become disintermediated by these new entrants or new partnerships that might offer solutions that allow people to stay at home and you introduced a counter to that, which would be, well, yes, but people also, consumers also want that end-to-end -end integrated care. So I'm curious as to how you see that tension playing out. And is that one of the things that you were talking about before that, you know, one of your jobs is to try to influence that in a positive way? Yes, absolutely. And so this is something, Zev, we may have talked about before. Certainly it's something I've been focused on for a couple of years because, you know, the great thing about an integrated system is that it is integrated and you can provide that end-to-end -end care, even upstream of care, of course, as well. But the challenge is when new entrants come in with very consumer-driven, relatively low-cost, convenient tools and solutions, you can get disimmediated quickly. So our approach has been twofold. One is it's about partnering, actually, with some of those competitors, whether they be small, startup, or big tech. And, and then secondly, in partnering to bring those solutions into our ecosystem, into our digital front door, so that we can provide not just a really convenient at-home solution for a particular interaction or, or, or type of care, but, but to do that across the entire spectrum of care. Um, so that's really been our approach. And so it doesn't entirely insulate us from that kind of threat, because again, the consumer will make that determination. It just forces us, which is again, a really good thing to be very consumer centric in our thinking and, and the experience and, and tools we bring, and then to be competitive, to, to find a way of cutting through and, and, and being affordable, such that we don't get undercut or disintermediated, like you said. What is Intermountain doing? I know you've been working on a digital front door for a long while. I mean, while you've been at Intermountain for the past couple of years, what is it that you've put into place already and are revving up in terms of doing exactly what you just described? Yes, yeah, so the digital front door that we've developed, again, in partnership, we've not built this ourselves, although we had to do a certain amount of build because it didn't really exist in the form we wanted it to exist to serve our patients and members. So three modules right now, finding care, which is really has a symptom check right at its heart. So you may have some presenting symptoms that sometime we'll be able to link that to your EMR and really get quite sophisticated around your potential condition and then help you get to the most effective and, and, and cost effective care. So not running to the ED necessarily, but, but rather maybe it's a, a televisit or, or a health answers service where you could have a conversation and really get um, the right kind of direction from a from a nurse. Um, so there's a number of ways in which we help people find care and then go on just like Delta would to help you then schedule um, your your care as conveniently as it is to now pick a seat on an air on an aircraft. Um, so, so finding care is a big part of it and we, we took the time during this and it was really quick to turn around a version of our symptom checker that we've used very specifically with an algorithm to help people assess, self-assess through the tool their symptoms 
around COVID-19. And that's been a great tool to help us mitigate people showing up unnecessarily in, in facilities and again, protecting PPE and resources in that way. And we've had a lot of traction and, and usage of that. And, and I can talk more about that. But, and then the second piece, having found the right care setting is to help you then manage your care. So this will be about surfacing parts of your EMR that are relevant to your situation. It's using behavioral economics to nudge you to take that next best action and support your health. It, it's about managing your follow-ups, prescriptions, labs through the app, as well as having the ability to engage one-to-one -one with providers via text or email, whatever works best for you and not have to sort of fight your way through telephone systems and people and never get to where you want to get. And then one of the bigger pain points, of course, in healthcare is all about cost and transparency of bills and, and the billing process itself and, of course, the cost itself. So that third module is really about when you get your care, knowing what it's going to cost all in and then finding convenient ways to pay for that, whether it be a payment plan or, or a one-off. But, but above all, this is about providing the transparency that's been long missing in, in healthcare around pricing and really taking a lot of fear out of that. So those are the basic modules right now. We're, we're rolling it out across all of our clinics. We'll go into the hospital space as well. And we're continuing to add modules around mom and baby and all sorts of other um, care situations. So again, you have this one-stop shop platform uh, and we can plug in wearable and other technologies that can really help keep you at home, monitoring your health, keeping well. So, so that's the not just the notion, but that's something we now ha have actively deployed in clinics. When you say in clinics, this sounds like it's virtual. So why does it have to be deployed in clinics? Yeah, sorry. It's a bit of a misnomer. Deployed being that we've really spent the time with that clinic um, team to, to help them understand the tool. And that's important because, of course, it's an at-home tool uh, or wherever you happen to be. It's not something you're using in the clinic necessarily other than you could use it as you engage in follow-ups and the like. Um, but, but the important thing is, uh, and I found this working at Disney too, healthcare is not, or we're not aspiring to be a, a digital organization per se. And, and, and the thing with digital tools is they create new expectations. So people presenting in clinics or engaging with clinics will have different expectations coming through the digital front door than they would have done fighting their way through the old sort of journey. And so it's important for us to, when I say deploy, it's really about training and enabling clinics to uh, be receptive to and, and kind of have a, an experience that continues the sort of convenience and expectations that people have of the digital tool. The three modules sound fantastic and it's really elegant and so consumer oriented. The finding care, so it sounds like it's a navigation tool. So does that connect people to, for instance, whether they might need the emergency room or urgent care or primary care? Does it do that sort of integration with uh, the actual maybe in-person or more synchronous care? Yes, exactly. So, and as it relates to sort of scheduling, we don't assume that you will always want the next the next appointment. You may do, but we try to allow people to schedule that care on their terms. So it may be it may be more driven by your proximity to a, a location. It may be about available hours. So maybe you can't make time in the work day, but you need to see someone in the evening. So that'll drive your um, scheduling uh, choices. It may be that you've got a particular provider that you have a relationship or preference for. So we're really trying to make scheduling 
happen on the consumer's terms. And that's, of course, needed uh, some level of operational cultural change on the provider side, having been used to really framing and, and, and kind of managing that themselves. You know, one example, uh, Zev, of the expectation that we need to sort of prepare clinics for is once you get into sort of text-based engagement and notifications, if you've got somebody within a clinic who's not responsive to that, that's an immediate and significant dissatisfier. So because, of course, we all expect more or less instantaneous reaction and response. And, and you know, if, if we're not prepared people to meet that expectation, then the digital tool becomes a dissatisfier very, very quickly. So, so that's been a big part of the cultural and uh, preparatory work we've done to help make this a, a tool that really transitions into a great human experience as well. The managing care component, could you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So this is really where we want the care that people receive to be as much as possible, something they can help manage and be empowered around. So this will include scheduling, follow-up visits. It, it will also be about helping you to manage your prescriptions, labs, and the like uh, in a very convenient way. It'll also be something that helps people understand and take those next steps. That, that could be reminders to do prevention screening. It could be when you've got chronic disease helping you manage that chronic disease. It could be about wellness and really helping to keep you ahead of those kinds of disease. It'll also help us surface relevant to your clinical situation the and, and your recent visit history components of the EMR that really are going to be presented in a very simple, non-clinical way to help you take those next steps. And then also throughout all of this, be able to engage via text and email or whatever's your preference with your provider directly rather than have to fight your way through to get to, to that provider. So, so it'll provide a very convenient, somewhat informal way of engaging with your provider, it, it, which is very unusual, of course, within healthcare. I would love to spend the rest of the time just diving down to that, but I think you've done a, a number of things here, one of which is the fact that you want it to move quickly and accelerate. So partnering with other folks who can help you build this it's clear you've taken a human-centric design, you know, consumer-oriented approach to this. This is not a technology-based approach. And I can see how having this in place not only serves your consumers and improves patient care, but it also protects you from being disintermediated from these one-offs or components that don't have that breadth of, of service that you put into your product. So just bravo to you on this account. It really has been all about, you know, providing access to care, ways to manage care, and to actually receive care on the consumer's terms in their hands, quite literally. And, um, you know, that has not been at the expense, we don't think, of the clinician or the clinician experience. In fact, every stage of our sort of human-centered design has included not only those human patients, but human clinicians. And so um, we've worked very, very closely with um, all sorts of clinical partners to make sure that this is optimized in terms of its clinical guidance in the symptom checker all the way through to, as I said, making sure that our clinicians can really engage in a way that expectations would dictate. And also, um, ultimately, we really think this can help what's so important, which is somewhat of a return to purpose, because this takes a lot of the admin away from 
the provider, the clinic, and puts it in the hands in a very convenient way, a very managed way of the consumer and avoids a lot of that repetitious form filling and head into computers. So this really typically is all happening upstream of the visit. And, and so the hope is, and the expectation and experience so far is that clinicians will benefit too from this because, again, it will clear the path to a more empathetic, rich, and dedicated experience when they are physically visiting with patients. Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying that because I think that's such an important part of this is recognizing that care is delivered by human beings. And in the past, that's often been overlooked. I want to go back to this question you raised before, which is the vast majority of the work of integrated delivery network is around chronic disease management. And despite the fact that we are obviously now focused on an acute incident around an infection, all those patients we were taking care of with chronic conditions are still there and they still have those chronic conditions and they still need the intense care and follow-up. So what are you all doing at Intermountain to, especially now that we've all moved into this virtual era, what are you doing to uh, reach out to those patients and particularly identify the ones that are you know, more serious chronic illness? Yeah, it's been a big concern. And I think it's one of those areas where many of our consumers perceive that at this time, we're really dedicated almost entirely to supporting and caring for people with COVID, which of course is not the truth. I mean, numerically, people with that positive um, diagnosis in our hospitals are tiny as a proportion of the total. And so we're still very, very much focused on those things. But it has, of course, modified. So we've had to let people know that we continue to support those things. We've heard of people staying at home when they've had pretty severe heart and other symptoms, but believe that they were either not safe to come with COVID being present in hospitals in their minds, or that we weren't continuing to provide that sort of care. So there have been things like more home monitoring, home visits, taking some of the the non-urgent care of those patients out to them using Connect Care, which is our telehealth solution to provide virtual visits to them. Um, but then, of course, within hospital spaces, we've, we've, like so many, postponed elective surgeries, but in the more urgent cases and even cases that during this pandemic have become more urgent, we've wanted to make sure the public is very aware that we are still very much there for them. So it's been kind of an interesting dynamic. It can feel like everybody's focused on COVID 24-7, but the reality is far, far, far more of the people we serve are in a different situation. So is there anything we haven't talked about, any big ticket issues from a consumer marketing perspective that are really important to note? Yeah, no, I think there are a lot of things, and that probably would be a whole podcast as well. <laughs> From a consumer point of view, and, and I think in, in bringing consumerism more into the heart of healthcare and not at the expense of humanism, in fact, I think if you really talk that through, they're, they're very much synced. Um, but I think it's really accelerated the collaboration between people focusing on the consumer marketing and technology with clinicians. I mean, that symptom checker I refer to was very much developed with a, um, infectious disease docs as well as tech people. It's also demonstrated something that I've talked about a lot, which is that complexity, which I think has been used as a sort of an excuse in my mind uh, against going more consumer centric, it's not a barrier. And that complexity has not got in the way of rapidly developing these kinds of tools, putting them out into the market, into patients' hands, learning and then iterating, which of course most other industries do, but healthcare has been slow to do. 
uh, and, and above all, it's put the consumer at the heart of things. That also has meant that some of the ongoing, I guess, issues and challenges to do with cost and access, affordability, have been brought to the fore as well. And I think another one is the use of data. Um, and, you know, we've seen a huge rise in surveillance by, by governments and certainly tracking and use of data and sharing of data by healthcare systems and others. And this, of course, was a pretty rising topic within healthcare, brought more to the fore now with the use of digital in, in all aspects of healthcare. So I think it's presented some incredible opportunities, some acceleration, bringing marketing and the consumer to the table, but also posed or heightened some of those questions we were already challenged with around, you know, like I said, cost access and affordability and the use of data. So interesting times. Yeah, you have such a positive attitude and the silver linings are the opportunity for more integrated teamwork, for more rapid iteration and product development. And as you point out, as we go to digital and, and virtual, the opportunity to really share more across organizations and between organizations. You know, this seems to me that we are moving into a healthcare world that is much more in the public health mindset than in the strictly medical mindset. You know, I think you were speaking to some of those implications as well. Absolutely. We, we all hope for the end of the pandemic. Uh, we're all excited, you know, as it does end, not just for that, but also for for sort of seizing on these these positive changes and and really trying to avoid going back to some of the worst of the old ways and you know not being a a sort of a victim in that but rather seizing and actively seeking to sort of influence those those things that will change and stay changed or those things that might slip back so i'm super optimistic certainly as we get beyond our search that we can really continue to reframe healthcare Wow, so well said. I can't thank you enough for taking a few minutes to speak with me and speak with us. And I hope to, I'd love to, hopefully maybe in the next few weeks, find a, a time to drill down a little bit more into some of the wonderful offerings you've put out there. Anytime, Zev. It was great to, to reconnect and to have this conversation. I, I think we just probably skimmed the surface of some of it. And um, really anytime, very happy to chat more about some of these and dive deeper into some of the, the things we touched upon today. Well, that's great. Well, you be safe, be well, and my best to you and, of course, to all the folks at Intermountain who are doing such great work. Thanks to you, Zev. Great work on your behalf for the whole nation through these podcasts. It's, it's, you know, of course, we're all listening and viewing and doing things at home, and these are just really a lifeline. So thanks for your support and the invitation to talk today. Thank you, Kevon. So folks, that was the interview I recorded just a few short days ago with Kevon Mabbitt, the Chief Consumer Officer at Intermountain Health. I have to say, I, I came away with a, a number of really great learnings. First of all, this notion that consumers will be even more than before in the driver's seat and that the COVID-19 pandemic has really been an accelerant in our shift to becoming a consumer-centric uh, industry. Also, the notion that if we don't make these changes, uh, we will quickly find ourselves disintermediated, particularly in the domain of primary care. And finally, the, the digital front door that Kavan described, the three domains of finding care, managing care, and paying for care. I just found that to be so elegant, so simple, and is one of the topics I am really looking forward to doing a deeper dive with Kavan in hopefully a future interview. 
My friends, these are unprecedented times, and I hope you find valuable information, guidance, and inspiration in listening to these experts and entrepreneurs share how they are adapting to this pandemic and how they're thinking about and planning for the future. And as I do each and every episode, I'd like to conclude by thanking all of you out there who are doing the hard work each and every day of taking care of patients, or those of you who are supporting those who are taking care of patients, especially in these times, I and we truly appreciate you for what you do and recognize how critically important your work is to individuals, to families, to communities, and to our society. My friends and colleagues, please, please, please take care of yourselves and please share this podcast series with your colleagues. This is Zev Neuwirth. You've been listening to a limited series on how COVID-19 is reframing healthcare in America, part of the Creating a New Healthcare podcast. Until next time, be safe and be well.